You're listening to Rick Flynn. With a shout out from London Town, it's Rick Flynn presents. Now, ladies and gentlemen, your MC for the affair, Rick Flynn. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome back to another show. You've seen our guest featured in U.S. News and World Report. She is Amy. That's her name. She is a growth strategist. She is an executive coach. She is a high-performance advisor. Amy Burks. That's B is in Boston. I-R-K-S. AmyBurks.com. She helps purpose-driven companies optimize growth because business growth starts with building a strong foundation and understanding the key principles of growth strategy. In other words, what she will do and what she has done for 20 years is she will help business build teams, increase revenue, and leads to scaling a business. Okay, Amy, come on in here. How are you doing today? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great, Rick. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Absolutely. What does scaling a business mean? Oh, that's such a great question. So the founders and brands that I work with, as you mentioned, are all, you know, purpose-driven. They're led by purpose. And what I always say is that what I do is I, I help them simplify their business models so that they can scale without sacrificing the things that really matter. And so when it comes to scaling, the way that I like to look at it, you know, from a very simple description, scaling is really growing a business in a way that allows them to create exponential growth in, in revenue, impact, reach, things like that. But um, the way that I look at it that I think is different than I think most tend to uh, business coaches or, you know, business strategy consultants tend to to look at it is that I'm really interested in helping them do it in the most simple, easy, and effective ways possible. I think that it's really easy for us to think that it has to be this very complex sort of thing, that our strategies have to have a gazillion pieces and parts and moving elements to them. And I'm a non-traditionalist when it comes to this stuff, and I tend to say that it doesn't, and that we can actually go further faster by simplifying what we're doing and how we do it, and that in so doing, it creates the opportunity for us to scale without having to sacrifice things like time with our families or, you know, fun or profitability, things like that. So that's the way that I look at scaling is that, you know, the founders that find me, they come to me in a place where they've got a million opportunities in front of them, all sorts of potential, and they're trying to figure out where to focus so that they can grow and make more money and help more people. And I'm able to help them eliminate the things that are causing drag, optimize the things that are really working and align their tactics with their values so that they can create a leveraged, simplified path to growth that helps them make a bigger impact in the world and in their own lives and businesses as well. So therefore, there are businesses out there that have opportunities in front of them, but they'll drag them down. They'll slow them down. They're not necessarily the best path for that business to go down. Is that basically what you're thinking in a lot of uh, these cases? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I think that that 
you know, the, the people that I work with, the founders that I work with are all visionaries. And what I know is true about visionaries, you know, you, you're probably a visionary too, Rick, right? Like you started a podcast, you're, you know, really interested in talking to interesting people. And so what's amazing about visionaries is that we have no shortage of ideas. We've got all, all these, you know, amazing possibilities and, and opportunities in front of us because we have great ideas or other people come to us with, with great ideas and, and potential. And so I think that, yes, there are certainly, there are certainly opportunities that show up or ideas that show up that can cause more drag. But really what tends to happen with the people that find me is that their businesses are doing well, right? They've grown to a point. Usually they've gotten to a point where they're generating, you know, anywhere from half a million to, you know, to 5 million in revenue. And they've got a small team and they're, you know, things are working. Like they've figured out how to do the thing. They've got, you know, clients that love them and are buying their products and, and services. But there are things that are happening within their business model that are causing drag. And often the reason that the drag is there is because of the human, the little humans that live inside of us, right? Like as entrepreneurs and, and founders, we also are on a human journey. And as humans, we make silly choices and we do things because other people say we should or because we look at the landscape and everybody is doing all of these things and we think, oh, our competitor, our competitors are doing that or, oh, everybody in the marketplace is doing this, so we'd better do it as well. And we pick up these tactics and these strategies and these you know, tools and resources and, and they're not always necessary. Necessary. And so what I try to do is help them look at all of the potential that's in front of them as far as ideas for future, you know, possibilities. And then I look at things within their business model with them so that we can critically think about, okay, well, what is the most important thing right now? And how are we going to move closer to that? And if it's generating more revenue because, you know, they want to grow the business so that they can retire early and spend more time with their families now, or, you know, they want to be able to give back and like, you know, build a, a, a school and an underserved community you know, someplace abroad or who knows what, like whatever the things are that are really important, figuring out what that trajectory is helps us to then determine what the right tactics are that will help us move there faster with fewer steps. You know, there's the funny thing about um, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, where, you know, if you like think of one actor and then within six other, you know, connected actors in films, you can track back to Kevin Bacon, usually within like six people. So like Matthew McConaughey is my favorite actor in the world. And so Matthew McConaughey, McConaughey was in was in Interstellar with John Lithgow. John Lithgow was in Footloose with Kevin Bacon. So Matthew McConaughey has two degrees of, of Kevin Bacon, right? We can do that with our activities in our business as well. And I think it's, again, it's very easy. The human in us says, well, we have to do more, do more, be busier, more tactics, more strategies. And all of these steps, like a gazillion steps to get to the end result, which is usually more clients, aren't always necessary. And that really we can like eliminate all of this drag, all of this doing that isn't necessarily getting us to the end result that we want as fast as we may want or even as effectively as we may want. And we may not even like doing the things that we're doing. And so that's the boat that we're in. Then if we can eliminate the steps, right, get to like, you know, two degrees of Kevin Bacon with the work that we're doing, then we can enjoy what we're doing more. We can align our tactics with our values so that they feel better to do and do them in a leveraged way. So, you know, like picking something that allows us to get closer to the end result with fewer Steps, then um, then that helps us to eliminate the drag and to get better results faster. That is amazing. So it's show business related. Is that it? <laughs>
Yes, of course. I mean, come on. This is Rick Sling Presents. we got to like, right. bring it back to show business, you know? I'll tell you what. What about those who will say this? They'll say, it's not really, Amy, what you know. It's who you know. I've heard people tell me in show business, it has nothing to do with what you know. It's about who you know. What do you think? Oh, my gosh, Rick. That is my favorite shortcut of all time is who you know. I mean, this there. is truly the thing. Like, I, like if you want to get to the secret of what I, my clients pay me a lot of money to tell them, it's that. Relationships are the ultimate rocket fuel for everything in business and life. Success is predicated on our, and so it's not even just the who you know, it's how we nurture relationships with people, how we allow ourselves to be seen and be more intimate with people and actually really care. It's, it's interesting that you bring this up because I tell people all the time that the philosophy that I follow for my business and has been my business model for the last five years, it's allowed me to generate, you know, a six-figure business working like 12 to 15 hours a week is what I call the three C's. And the three C's, and it's, it's like so simple and it's so silly, but it, it has worked to help me create this amazing, leveraged, lovely business that I love. And the three C's are, I care and I'm curious and I want to connect. And so genuinely, like all I want to do is talk to people about business. I love it. It is so exciting for me to hear what people are doing and how they're like building and where they're going and the impact that they're trying to make in the world. And most of that, most of the reason why that's the case is because I have what I call a GPS brain. And so anytime anybody ever tells me anything in my whole life, anybody, time anybody has an idea or a thing that they're trying to create, as soon as I can see the vision out there in the distance for what it is, where it is they're trying to go, this map formulates in my brain and I can see all the like most efficient, just like a GPS, right? It like picks the path. It's going to get you there the fastest and avoid the potholes and like, you know, not take the scenic route. It's going to take you there efficiently and quickly. And so this map formulates in my brain and I can see the fastest, easiest, most fun ways to get to the result that they want to create. So I love connecting. I love talking to people about business and I genuinely care about people. And so I care. I'm super curious. I can't wait to ask them questions to get a better understanding of where they're trying to go, what they're trying to do. And then I just want to connect dots. I want to connect dots to help them get there. I just want to serve. And so that has been the secret to my success and is the like absolute number one tactic that I provide to my clients, to my colleagues, to people that I meet on the street for whatever it is that they're trying to create. Just being willing to actually care about people, to get as curious as possible. It's the best toolkit that tool that we have in our toolkit as humans to use in life to be successful. And then to be willing to connect dots for people. Like it's such a surprising thing when somebody is willing to like ask you about you. It's like people were so surprised when that happens because so few people do it. And so when that happens, you immediately endear yourself to someone. And then if you're also not only willing to be curious with them, but then to help, to like be a helper, to serve, to make, you know, to connect dots, to connect them to services, to people, to clients, to, you know, opportunities, to a great restaurant where they're going in, you know, the city that they're visiting in a few weeks. Like they're so surprised when, when people show up for them in their lives like that, that it creates this really amazing opportunity to endear yourself to someone and to create a lasting relationship that allows, you know, for all of this magic to happen. So that has been my business model. It's definitely who you know, and it's definitely about the underlying, I think, um, depth beneath the who you know, which is how do we serve and really nurture those relationships in the who we know. Right. I just had a guest on my show, and she said that it is her inner GPS which caused her to coach 
others to find the inner GPS, the inner global positioning system that we all have. She said everybody has that. You're in agreement with that, I'm going to assume? Totally, totally. I think that the thing that gets us stuck so often is when we don't have that same kind of intimacy with ourselves and that connection and trust with ourselves. And I did, I heard that episode actually, if if it's the one that I'm thinking of. And and I agree, like there's something very, very potent about, especially for business owners, founders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, you know, people who are on this journey taking this, like you have to be a special kind of crazy, I think, to like start a business and to be willing to take those chances and take those risks that go in with doing that. And so what's really interesting is that then, as I said before, we're like taking along this little human inside us on this on this journey with us of you know of entrepreneurism and you know and, and business building and the little human inside is is constantly afraid and want to make everything hard and to doubt our value and to say that we need to prove ourselves to know that we're worthy of any sort of success and that we need to do more in order to be valuable. And so much of that is then validated in, especially in the United States, you know, we've got this Puritan work ethic and we must work, 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 work in order to show that we have any value. And if we don't, then we are not valuable and we don't deserve anything. And and I just call shenanigans on all of that. And I think that the great opportunity that we have as humans, and especially as entrepreneurs, humans is to really, really do the inner personal work to know that we inherently have value simply because we exist and that we are, you know, here on this planet to do something and that it doesn't mean that we are doing the thing to be valuable, but that we have this value. And so developing that trust, I think, is very tricky and also so worth doing. Like it is absolutely so worth doing because it can be the difference maker. You know, it's it's the thing that helps us eliminate the drag. It's the thing that helps us to be able to see the potential. It's the thing that helps us to be able to focus and prioritize, you know, simplify our business models, not get stuck in potholes and, you know, traps, but, but it's tricky. And, and really, you know, the reason that I even have a job doing what I do is because that little human exists inside so many of us, all of us, really, it's just there for all of us. And that, you know, it, it becomes really impossible for the founders that I work with to see, you know, they can see because they're visionaries, they can see way out, you know, five, 10, 50 years down the the road to like the vision that they're trying to create and they can see about three feet in front of their faces and that's it. They can't see anything between here and there because they're so in it. They're like in the weeds of their business. They're trying to do the thing. And so having an outside perspective with somebody, you know, like me who can sit at the 50,000 foot view and see the whole landscape, can see everything between here and there, all the opportunities, all the potential, and then can also at the same time sit on their shoulder like Jiminy Cricket and remind them just how valuable they are, how much they can trust themselves, point out the opportunity that they have to, you know, congratulate themselves, pat themselves on the back, you know, be proud to know that they made good decisions, you know, that sort of thing, I think is invaluable for business owners and for normal humans who aren't crazy enough to go on this entrepreneurial journey that we all go on. Right. Now, there are people out there, male and female, they present themselves with a, oh, how am I going to say this? They do not present with a field of confidence. They present themselves as, oh, I don't know about this. And, oh, I, I'm unsure about that. And by the time you hear what they have to say on any particular day, you want to get the uh, Kleenex out <laughs> and dry your eyes. It's so sad. 
that. You you know what I'm talking about. You have to present like you believe in yourself and what you're doing. Will you go along with that? I do 100%. I think it's, you know, I think it's really tricky. I have a lot of empathy for people who don't have that self-confidence and that self-certainty because I used to be that person for sure. You know, I, like up until my, you know, my early 20s, I was definitely a person who thought I didn't have value. I couldn't do the thing. I don't, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm spinning my wheels. I keep getting stuck in the same rut. And, you know, when I was 22, I had this this moment of clarity where I was in this very pivotal point in my life. I was, I was in a miserable relationship. I was in a miserable job. I was, you know, living in a miserable way. Like everything about my life just, just was terrible. And I was in this op, in this position where I could move and like move across the country and like change everything about my life. And it felt so terrifying. The idea of changing anything felt so terrifying. And I think that's a really common thing as humans for us to face that. Again, the little human inside us is trying so hard to keep us safe, to keep everything copacetic, to make sure that we don't change too much because change is very scary. And, you know, and the reality is that the part of our brain that this little human inside us is interacting with is just like, it's just not, it's an evolution that hasn't caught up yet is all right. Like scientifically speaking, we've got this little part of our brain that is still living like back in the lizard times, you know, from when we would like our ancestors would walk around the corner and run into a woolly mammoth, like, you know, every, every five minutes. And, and so we react to, to like every possibility, like every potentiality that has any sort of risk associated with it, as if we're about to walk around a corner and run into a woolly mammoth. And of course we're not, like you know, my decision to up and move at 22 was not going to result in death, dismemberment, doom, mayhem. But my system, my brain, my little human inside me was certain that it was, and it made it very difficult for me to make that decision. And I had this, like I said, this kind of aha moment where I heard, listen, you're afraid that things are going to be worse on the other side of this decision. And the reality is that if you're not willing to make the choice or to make the change, then it can't possibly get any worse, right? You think it's bad now? It can't possibly get any worse than this on the other side of this because you're not willing to give yourself the opportunity to try something different. And so that really was this pivotal moment in setting me on a trajectory towards more of that self-confidence and self-certainty and a willingness to push my limits and to say, I can, I can live, like I can take risks. Like I can do that. I'm not going to die. And so, you know, I've been in this constant self-development journey since then for the last, you know, almost 25 years of really questioning and being curious for myself about what's actually true. Like, is this, I feel like in my whole body, like if I go on this date or I make this investment in my business or I, you know, try swinging from the high trapeze and at Brooklyn Yards, like all of these things feel like I'm going to die on the other side of it. In my whole body, every bit of me, every cell feels like I'm going to die, but I'm probably not going to die. So maybe it's okay. Maybe I could like do this thing. And I think that incrementally making decision after decision after decision and being curious about why I notice that I feel scared in those moments, I think it's created the opportunity for more of that self-confidence to come. So when I meet people who are, who are like you said, right, who are really struggling, who are really like, I'm like, no, I, I'm, I'm down on myself or like, this doesn't work or that doesn't work. You know, I try to meet them with a lot of empathy because I remember what it feels like to be there. And then, you know, I do my best to model what it looks like to 
you know, have come across that bridge and come to the other side of that and, and to be able to be, you know, who I am now, who is like so vibrant and full of life and present and not, you know, hanging out in this time machine that's either always in the past reflecting on what didn't work and, you know, wishing I could change it and filled with regret or always in the future afraid of what's to come. And, and so I think presence and curiosity are such amazing tools if you're, you know, trying to kind of get out of that place of, of not feeling certain about who you are or what's valuable about you. So I, I, I love that you asked that. That's, I think that's a great question. Oh, thank you. And you know, that's not bad considering this is my first day ever on the microphone. Do you believe that? <laughs> I don't believe it because I've heard you on the mic before. Right? <laughs> All right. Don't believe <laughs> everything you hear. <laughs> and don't believe about half of what you see because there's trick photography out the wazoo these days. So don't even One believe what you see. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> but you do have a little mini me at home, do you not? A little mini Amy? I do. It's funny, too, because people look at us and they do say, they do say that because we do look a lot alike. Boy, you and, do. Um, I do. My, I do. Yeah. And she is just the coolest. My daughter, she's seven now, and she is the absolute best thing ever. I'm actually sitting outside of her school right now as I, as I talk to you. And I don't think she knows I'm here, but I'm looking at her swinging on the swing. She's just like having the best time. She's so vibrant and full of life. And, um, she has been the best teacher for me. And, and I think, you know, my business is what it is now, you know, is this like really amazing, successful, and also, you know, beautifully put together thing that allows me to have this life of abundance and flow and lots of freedom because she is here, you know. And um, about four years ago, I got divorced and that was another pivotal moment for me in my life. I, I, my business almost went under because the divorce was so traumatizing and, you know, divorce is never fun and it's a, it's a big, big deal for most of us. And, um, and it was really hard for me to balance trying to manage my way through that trauma while also trying to continue to generate business and serve my clients. And, and so I was like, you know, in this moment where I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to pay the rent next month. What am I going to do? You know? And so it was very, 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 very tricky. And what I realized was that my, like I, at the same time, by the way, all this was happening, I was also coming to terms with the fact that because of the divorce, suddenly my daughter, who was two and a half at the time, was not going to be with me all the time anymore. And in fact, I was only going to have her for half of her life. We have 50-50 custody. And so I was faced with this new reality where, you know, the, like the, this person who I love and adore most in the world, suddenly I wasn't going to be in her life for half of her life. And so it became so evident and clear to me, you know, they say necessity breeds invention, right? So it became so clear to me that my business not only had to like really quickly ramp up to pay the rent and like get us to a sustainable place, because now I am it. Like I am the only breadwinner. There is no other support. I don't have a trust fund. I don't have parents that can support me. Like it was me. This is on me to figure out. So that had to happen fast. But in addition to that, I was going to be damned if there were going to be any moments where I was going to be with my daughter that weren't going to be me present with her. Like there was no way that I was going to do aftercare or babysitters or anything like that because her time with me became so unbelievably precious. And so it became an absolute necessity that my business worked twice as hard 
hard so that I could work half as much so that I could be as available for her as possible and have it build sustainable income for us, sustain our life so that I could pay the rent and do all the things. And and so that was a really pivotal time for me. It became, you know, I'd, I'd written a book called The Hustle-Free Business. I wrote that, I guess, six years ago. So it was before any of this. But that became the moment where I really, really, really had to figure out how to live that in a very specific way and like really practice what I preach and walk the talk. And, and so I simplified everything in my model. I had decided I was narrowing down to one thing that I would do. I would offer it in two ways and that was it. And it was like my host, my most highly leveraged offer so that I could charge the most for it and need the least number of people to say yes to it. And then I adopted my three C's philosophy. I care, I'm curious, and I want to connect so that I could just find the people. But I did not have time or energy or, or emotional bandwidth to like try to do all the marketing things to to get the clients and really like making that shift and making that decision to simplify and focus down and just do the thing created a whole like tidal wave of, of potential in my business for me. And it's been amazing ever since. And, and I've been so fortunate and so lucky because now, like I said, you know, I, we have this beautiful, abundant life. I have a business that thrives. I have clients that I love and I get to be with my girl when she's with me. I can just be focused with her. I can take days off whenever I want. I can show, I can take her on her school trips, like field trips, like, you know, we did a couple weeks ago. I can stop work at three o'clock to pick her up at school every day. You know, it's, it's amazing. And, and I'm so grateful because she is so magical and I don't want to miss a second of anything that, you know, involves her and her growth and her development because she makes me a better human just by spending time with her and having her influence in my life. So the fact that I can show up and model what it means to be a powerful woman in the world and, you know, to show up for her and be fully present is is the most important thing for me. Right. For 30 years, I had a manager that was a woman and may she rest in peace. Betty was her name. And boy, did she dedicate her life. Uh, it was like a death in the family when she left. I miss her so, so much. She was, she just loved the business. She loved having somebody to represent that when she would put me out on a B or C assignment, she knew it was as good as gold. I'd be there on time. I'd get the work done and I would keep the reputation and name of her agency up. And oh, do I miss that. Some of the greatest management I've seen in my business anyway are women. I am all about strong women. I'm telling you, Amy, it's no lie. I love that. Oh, that is the truth. That is the truth. I've lived it. Women have made me hundreds of thousands of dollars, and I will never be more thankful. I don't know what else I can do other than to say that sexism, I, I have no use for it. I really don't. There are good and bad of everything. Do you know what I mean? Yes, totally. And I, I appreciate so much, you know, that because because I am I'm certainly a, a self-proclaimed feminist, you know, like I, I really believe in in the power of women and that, um, 
you know, I think it's, I think it's easy for us to, to feel as women to feel like, or women identifying to feel like we're underestimated in the world. And I think that oftentimes what's actually true is that, is that we just have so much power and unique abilities within us that, and that's not to say that men don't either. Like I don't, I, men are amazing. Like there's nothing, there's like, I, I think that there's so much potential for equality everywhere. And I also know that women, because of who we are inherently in the way that we see the world and because, frankly, because of the way that we have been discounted and treated unfairly systemically over the years, uh, the decades, the centuries, I think that, that the true reality is that we're not underestimated. It's that there's actually a lot of, of potential for, you know, people to be afraid of like all the power that exists within women and, and what's possible when, you know, women gather and, and are willing to, you know, show up and, and be ourselves and be fully who we are. So I think, you know, humans in general, I am all about that. I think that the more that we, no matter whether you're a man or a woman or, or however you identify, I think that our, the greatest potential that we have as humans is to really get to know ourselves and to live in a way that allows us to feel fully powerful and not powerful over others, but like powerful in ourselves like we were talking about before, you know, having that self-certainty of knowing that you have value simply because you exist and that you don't have to earn it or, you know, work hard for it or do more to, you know, to be it. I think, I think that is such an amazing opportunity for us in the world. And I, and I just love the idea of envisioning a world where more humans are able to really tap into that stuff. And, you know, and I love that I get in the work that I do with my clients to be able to help them access some of that in a more, in a more powerful way so that they can show up more vibrantly and, and alive in their lives and their businesses with their kids, with their clients, with their communities. Um, because I see, I see the possibility for what the world would be like if we were all, you know, more ourselves and more comfortable with being that and more empathetic of others being themselves. You know, I think there's so much possibility in that. Absolutely. Before I move forward with the business, would you recommend joint parenting? Is it working out for you? And does your former better half there, does he do a good job being a daddy for the, the beautiful daughter that you have? He is an amazing dad. My daughter, you know, she, I, I will say this. I think that, that co-parenting is hard. And I will also say, I mean, there's so many things, right? Like not being with my kid all the time. I would, I, I wish, like, I wish that she were with me all the time. And I know that he does as well. And, um, and I also know that we, we met and we were together and we created this, this beautiful, amazing, you know, brilliant, like magical kid and that that was really the purpose of our coming together and that um and that it would have been a disservice to all of us if we had tried to figure out how to stay together. So while co-parenting is hard, I think we made, I, I know we made the absolute right decision and not remaining married and not staying together. And so he's an amazing dad. He is, he is so thoughtful of her. He is thoughtful about, you know, what he wants for her in life. He really supports her ability to be herself. And like when a marriage comes apart, there's like stuff in, a, in the relationship between the two people that didn't work out. And so there's like always going to be, you know, the possibility for resentment and tricky stuff that can like translate into hatred, the, the ongoing relationship. 
it yeah, can translate like into, I hate you. I know that can definitely be there. And you know, what I can say for me is that because I keep doing the personal work that I've been talking about and really like leaning into intimacy and empathy and my ability to be connected is that I just keep looking at, at him and seeing him with different eyes than I ever did when we were married. And I think that that's been an incredible gift to all of us because it allows me to, to just say, I'm not like hatred, resentment, all of that stuff. Somebody once said, it's like taking poison and expecting the other person to die, right? Like I am the only one who suffers when I carry resentment about anybody or anything. And so it's, I don't want to suffer. Like I have no interest in that, right? He doesn't suffer if I'm resenting him. So, you know, I've worked really hard to let a lot of that stuff go and just to be able to, you know, to know that, yeah, he's, he is a great dad and she is really lucky to have him. And, you know, as much as I wish that we could be together all the time, I also have an amazing life, right? Like I get to be in this really cool scenario where I'm with her and I get to be a hundred percent present with her. And I don't, you know, like I think families that are together all the time, that's amazing. And I think they also, you know, have the potential to take their kids for granted or, you know, get tired and exhausted or to have no free time for themselves. And I have like a ton of that, you know, I get to like have this double life where I can go away and, you know, I can date and I can, you know, go to the gym and I can go get a massage. And I don't have any of those constraints that would otherwise be with me if, you know, I had my daughter with me full time. So, so it's like this really interesting dichotomy where I would 100% say yes, if, she, if I could have her with me all the time. And I am also 100% okay with the fact that I don't. So it's interesting because I think, you know, as moms, we're trained to like feel guilt about everything. <laughs> and I, you know, I work really hard to not feel guilty about the fact that I feel very blessed to have this kind of double life that goes on and, and to know at the same time that I can also wish that she was with me all the time. So co-parenting is tricky and it can also be a really amazing thing when you have two people, you know, working hard to be conscious and intentional about how it's done, which which we are doing. So that is the good news about it for sure. That is so good. When I can hear any woman, I don't care who it is, say, look, the marriage for whatever reason did not work out, but this individual that I formerly was with does, he loves his child. He does a great job of being a daddy. That tells me more about the character of that person. In this case, you, than any type of nonsense anyone wants to make up. There are people who, well, let's put it this way, they let they wear their emotions on their shoulder and it rubs off on the child. And then the child gets attitudinal problems because of it. I've seen it. It's no good. It's terrible, Amy. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. A couple will get divorced, for example. The wife can conveys the hatred to the child. Let's say it's a male. Let's say that child is 12 years old. They treat the 12-year-old child as if that is her new um, male interest, let's say, and I'm not talking sexually. I mean, to discuss, uh, oh, running the household, et cetera, et cetera, and any type of jabs that can come in about the former partner that ran the household with her, it would come, and eventually that child is going to grow up and have to decipher where the hate 
date ends and where the love starts because hopefully on the other end of the stick, maybe the dad does not treat the child that way. You have to give each parent an equal footing. We're not on this earth enough to actually hate people. I don't think. I don't hate anybody. Nobody. Oh, yeah, I agree. I think it's, you know, it's such a, it's such a waste and, and it's such a shame, you know, like I, I, I agree. I think it's really easy. You know, there are, we have so much pressure on us as, as human beings to show up and perform and to do the thing and to work and to make the money and to pay the rent and to, you know, make sure there's food on the table and, you know, all the things, like all the stuff. And and that I think our priorities get out of whack. And then on top of it, right, we're emotional beings. So we're on this journey and, and we're running into all these opportunities to get triggered and to feel things and to be scared and like we're scared of everything. And what about this? And so much of that is happening underneath the surface without us even realizing, you know, I, I I know a couple who who are recently married and the the husband has an ex-wife they they have two kids and she is just you know really 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 resentful she's carrying all of this stuff with her and is constantly putting it on their kids and I don't and I think that if she were self-aware right if she had any sense of self-awareness then she could see that what she's doing is so detrimental to these poor kids right like she's trying to punish him by you know using the kids against him or like filling the kids heads with all these stories about him and all of this stuff. And the reality is that, you know, she just cares about her kids so much and is like so scared and so angry and so hurting that she can't, it's like a, it's like a drug is in her system. She just has no idea what she's even doing. And so, you know, even in that scenario, I think as an outsider, it would be really easy for me to look at this woman and be like, well, she's messed up and what's that about? And how dare she? And what, look at what she's doing to her kids. And that's ridiculous. But I just look at it and I'm like, wow, she is really hurting. There is a lot going on for her. And so, you know, how can I help support my friend to extricate himself from the scenarios that, you know, cause this like weird, funky, wonky spiral for him with his kids, right? And and help him see that probably the key to getting there is having empathy for his ex-wife because, you know, like uh, hatred, like you said, right? Like we don't have room or time for hatred in this world. It's just like such a use it's it's just doesn't make any sense to me and that the true path to you know freedom fulfillment connection enlightenment all of that is by leaning into empathy connection intimacy a willingness to be kind to be curious to know others better more deeply you know and that I think we're all so afraid to do that because we're afraid we're going to get hurt we're afraid you know somebody's going to take advantage of us we're afraid you know xyz is going to happen and at the bottom of it all I think if you like really unpack what all of our fears are, it ends in, oh, I'm going to die alone. And that is where it all kind of lands. And, and that is where we where we operate from is from this like intense unconscious fear that if I do this thing or if I make this choice, then it might result in me dying. It will probably result in me dying alone. And so that is why I think people behave the way that they do, you know, when it comes to their interpersonal relationships and divorce and, you know, whatever business, like all of the things is because we're just walking through the world unconsciously afraid and that the real opportunity lies in our ability to go inward, to look at ourselves, to become a little bit more evolved, to get to know ourselves better, to be curious about what else 
possible and to just like soften some of that so that it doesn't have to feel like we've got so many harsh, sharp edges as we face the world. We don't, we don't need to. It's all going to be okay, you know? That is so true. Now, if somebody has a business, any business at all, you can step in there and I'm going to make an assumption here because you and I have never met. I'm talking to you today for the very first time and you and I have never discussed any questions that I was going to ask you. I don't operate that way. I'm an ad-libber. So I come on the air. You don't know what it is I'm going to ask you. But usually when people have your expertise, what they have done, they have had, for example, a corporate job years ago, 20 years ago. And in that job, they had X, Y, or Z role, and they did well with it. And they increased revenue in that department, in that company. Then they went out on their own, and now they're doing it as a private business to help whatever client they get. Am I to assume that's how you became such a good uh, growth strategist, as you call yourself? You did it elsewhere, and then you translated those skills into your own business, or did it happen totally different? That's such a great question. I'm so glad you asked that, Rick. Thank you. Um, Yeah, so it's interesting because I've always had this GPS brain. Like even at, you know, six years old, I can remember the kids in the neighborhood would say, let's have a lemonade stand. And then I'd immediately be able to say, yes, and, you know, this is exactly how we're going to do it. And we're going to put it on this corner and we're going to find it to look like this. And it's going to be this flavor of lemonade. And we're going to, you know, do this and that and the other. It's going to cost this much. And so, like, I could, oh, I was always, you know, able to really, like, dissect a plan. And so, but what's interesting is that my career, if you look at it on paper, is like kind of this haphazard, you know, like tapestry of lots of different things. And, you know, in my younger days, I used to beat myself up about not having a linear path that seemed to make sense. Like I sold cars, I worked in restaurants, I worked in retail, I worked in nonprofits, I worked in finance, you know, and then like my very last corporate job before I started my business was working for a Fortune 25 bank doing project management and strategic planning on an enterprise level. So I worked on projects that helped our our team members in the retail sector of the business. So like 150,000 team members were affected by it, by the projects that I was working on. And so it was like this really amazing opportunity. And so yes, right, like I, I have had strategy within the within the work that I've done. But what's interesting is that all these other things that never really made sense, I was just kind of like picking up these jobs because I was curious, I was a seeker, I was like, you know, hoping that somebody was going to like see my value and promote me within their their company, right? Like I, t- I did all these things, but it never made sense until now, right? I've had my business for nine and a half years and it finally made sense about eight and a half years ago that all of these things like really were beautifully positioned to help me be so good at what I am now. And what was interesting is that when I started my business nine and a half years ago, I thought I was going to be a life coach. I went and got a certification. I was like, you know, I really want to work for myself. I just like every time I fill out a vacation request at work, I, ca- I like can't really understand how time is not my own and why I have to ask for time off. I just, I can't keep doing that. And so I set out to become a life coach and I spent a year really trying to figure out how to build a business as a life coach. And I was not like somebody who really understood online marketing or any of those things yet. Like I hadn't learned all of that yet. And so I spent that year learning. Like I learned a ton about online marketing and business development and like all of the selling 
selling, you know, myself. I could sell Volkswagens all day long, but I didn't know how to sell myself. And so that whole year, I learned a ton, but I made no money. I made like $60 in revenue. I had like a $40,000 loss that year. It was really kind of hilarious. Um, And it wasn't until, again, I was just about a year in and I was at a retreat with some other entrepreneur friends. And one of them was saying, you know, I need to like, I need to to launch this thing. And I just, I don't know what the steps are. I'm like totally stuck. And I was like, well, let's just talk about it for a second. And, you know, and I can help you figure it out. And so we're sitting in this hotel room with some other friends. And in about 12 minutes, I helped her map out the whole launch of this thing, this event that she was going to put on. And everybody in the room, when I was finished, stopped and was like, what just happened there? And I was like, what? I just, you know, I used my GPS brain. I saw the map and like, I gave her the steps and now she's going to go do the thing. Like that's your brains work like that, don't they? And everybody was like, no, not at all. None of our brains work like that. That's your brain. That's like, oh my gosh, why aren't, why isn't that your business? Why aren't you helping business owners? And I was like, what? That's a thing. People need this. I thought everybody's brains worked like this. And they were like, no, it doesn't. You should be doing strategy for business owners. And it just never occurred to me. The little human inside me was so certain that I didn't have any value that was marketable that I I had to like pick up something new to do, you know, like it had to be something other than the things that I had done before. I don't know why. I just couldn't see it. And so it took them pointing that out to me for me to then realize that, oh, I guess helping people simplify and scale their models and scale their businesses is something valuable. We can't see our own stuff. Like as a strategist, I can't strategize for myself. Like, you know, the cobbler whose kid has no shoes. And it's the same. My business owners, again, my business owner founders, you know, my clients are so smart. They're so brilliant. They're so strategic and they get stuck they get in their own way. And so it, it took, it, t- it wasn't this like logical progression for me to get here. But once I finally saw it, then I couldn't unsee it. They all said it. And I was like, Oh, now it all makes sense. Now that like haphazard path that I used to beat myself up about. Now it makes sense. Now I know why I worked so hard to learn how to qualify customers as a car salesman. Cause now I, or as a car salesperson, because now I can ask great questions. And I'm like epically curious when I talk to potential clients, and, you know, working in fine dining gave me this really great eye for good customer service. And, you know, working as a strategist and a project manager allowed me to see the potential for what I could do now with clients from a strategic perspective. So it wasn't exactly that way, but eventually it all made sense. Yeah. Great question. Thanks, Rick. I've got a theme for you, a theme song. Can't wait. Lay it on me. Amy, what you gonna do? I think (laughs) I could stay with you for a while. Maybe longer if I do. Have you ever heard that? I love that song. And people always sing that song to me. They meet me and they learn my name is Amy and they sing that one. And and depending on what generation they're in, if they're like in my grandparents' generation, there was another like Once in Love with Amy song. Sometimes people sing oh, to me, but I, remember that. I typically yeah. like that one a little better. Yeah. Oh, exactly. yeah. Well, Pure Prairie League did Amy. And I was the DJ at a... Uh, at an event and this gentleman came up to me and have you ever heard of craig fuller i said certainly i know craig fuller he's the guy that sang the lead on that with pure prairie league amy and he said that's my son i said oh oh my god oh yes his dad went on and i talked to his dad on this event and then later on i i actually worked with them i i did lights and Craig Fuller and the band was there and they sang that song and 
yes, that's a Cincinnati, Ohio band made good. So Craig Fuller, the Pure Prairie League, they have a song for you there. And uh, I can't let you use it because I don't own the rights to it. But hey, you can (laughs) talk to Craig and they'll find out who owns it. And maybe you can use it someday. Amy, I know you've got to pick up your daughter. You have seven, seven minutes before you got to get out of here. I want to let people know where you can meet with them, hook up with them. And how about a good place to start will be www.amy, A-M-Y, Burks, B is in Boston, I-R-K-S, amyburks.com. Is that how somebody gets a hold of you? It's a great way to get a hold of me, yes. And if you um, and if they visit my website, I've got a cool free download that they can grab as well. Um, if anybody's struggling with, with converting more clients, I've got this cool, cool PDF guide that you can download that has my top three. This is like the advice that I give most often to clients who pay me lots and lots of money to tell them and remind them frequently about this stuff um, and to entrepreneurs that I meet. And so I put it all into a guide. It's my three top tips for how to convert more clients, whether you're somebody who, you know, sends proposals or, you know, just has discovery calls, whatever, whatever it is, there's some really, really, really juicy, great stuff in there that you can apply immediately and see traction. So feel free to download that. And then the next best way would be to um, come follow me on LinkedIn. I think it's linkedin.com slash whatever the, I don't know if it's like, I, I, I can't remember what it is, but my moniker is Strategy Ninja. So you can find me on LinkedIn with the moniker Strategy Ninja and I'm creating content there five days a week, Monday through Friday. That's always high value and really fun. And I would love to engage with you over there. And um, yeah, that's that. I'm like thrilled to have had this conversation with you, Rick. You asked such really wonderful questions and this was so much fun. And and I love that you asked about my daughter, especially because she is the light of my life. And and, uh, and I hope that your audience, if they're, you know, purpose-driven founders looking to scale and, and get better results and make a bigger impact in the world, if they want help with that, then I would love to connect with them for sure. Absolutely. Let's not forget the three C's. Number one, care. Number two, curious. And number three, connect. What else do they need to know before you get out of here, Amy? I think that's, I think those are the best things, right? Curiosity is our best tool for everything that we might want to create in life. And, um, you know, being willing to care and connect dots and serve others is an amazing shortcut to both deeper relationships, more fulfilling life and success in business and everywhere else, for sure. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Rick Flynn speaking. It's been fun, but I've got to run on behalf of myself. And our very special guest today, she's a growth strategist. She's an executive consultant. She is an executive coach and a high performance advisor. She can work for you or yours or somebody you know or anybody that needs her skills to generate revenue for a particular business. www.amyburks.com. Thank you, everyone. New shows every Wednesday and we'll see you on the next one. Good night, everyone. It's been so fun, Rick. Thanks so much for having me. I love this conversation. Again, this is Amy Burks and you can find me at amyburks.com. That's A-M-Y B as in boy, I-R-K-S as in Sam,
The preceding was a Rick Flynn production. This is your announcer, Chantal Marie speaking.